0: Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit MEUSA.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: You women have heard of Jalopas. You've heard the noise they made. New Rocket 88. Yes,
0: Just one way. All right,
3: Everybody we are back with another live voice. edition of the main course. OG, wow, that's so exciting! That was Rocket 88 with everyone's favorite drummer, Ike Turner. And uh, Rocket 88, that was the first rock and roll song ever recorded. Likewise, the main course was the first radio show ever to record on the Heritage Radio Network in these two shipping containers, broadcasting live out of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are in studio today. Oh, it's very exciting to have everyone back. Really exciting. We have Elizabeth Greeley. Good morning. Emily Pearson. Hi. We have uh, Brandon Hoy, the (laughs) owner of Roberta's. He's happy to be back. We have Mike Edison. This is it. This is all I have left in my life. Now that Arts and Seizures was canceled. Oh, no, wait. You quit because you got to 250 episodes. I
2: went out on top, daddy-o. On top Me me and Jerry Seinfeld 250,
3: a a quarter millennium right there You're going
2: to be seeing me driving around in my Porsche with comedians drinking coffee soon Oh, nice (laughs)
3: Uh, I am Patrick Martins, one of your hosts And our special guest for the panel and for the Weekly Grill is Daniel Holzman of the Meatball Shops and Project (laughs) Booty This this is awesome. The whole crew is back. So without further ado, I will forward it to our two point guards. We're a two-point guard basketball team here. Libby and Emily to take us through
4: today's events. Is Dennis Rodman a point guard? Um,
3: Yeah. Well, did he ever? He probably dribbled the ball in some dramatic moment to half court and then
5: I don't
6: think
3: so. There's a turnover. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, take us the... Uh, take so us. we have
6: some great topics today from Mama Joanna, and we have some celebrity name drops, Ariana Grande to Bob Dylan. So we cover a lot, so let's jump right in. So how do you guys feel about public displays of affection while you're eating? People Magazine reports that Ariana Grande was recently sparred at Cabone with her fiancé, and sources say they were making out all over the, the pasta. He even moved to the other side of the booth to make out some more. How do we feel about this?
7: Daniel? Listen, if you if you live in the Instagram era and you're excited about taking photographs of, of all things food and restaurants and restaurant culture, then that's amazing. How? What better could you have for your Instagram fodder than pictures of Ariana Grande making out next to your pasta? I mean, otherwise you were just taking pictures of their, like, rigatoni.
3: <laughs> I say if you go all the way, then I'm for it. But like first base, second base, not interested. I, did you
4: did you say the restaurant Ka- Kaboom? Because that sounds like a seriously awesome restaurant. Let's just skip to this. I can I eat at Kaboom? Does this exist?
2: But you can have sex in the pasta. At Kaboom. I will.
4: I will put my in the
2: pasta. Carbone. Explodive. Carbone. Okay. First of Carbone. all, the celebrity name drops. Like, don't mention Ariana Grande in the same sentence with Bob Dylan. That's just not kosher. That's not right. Okay. But I'll tell you this about sex in restaurants. You can get away with a lot if you sit in the corner bank.
7: Whatever happened to tablecloths, (laughs) speaking of that? I feel like tablecloths were like the ultimate cover-up.
3: The ultimate cover-up? Yeah, you can't get a handy without a tablecloth. It's
7: like a blanket on an airplane. Yeah, yeah, Patrick didn't catch that. It's okay. Sorry, I got it. Under
5: the blanket. I don't know. It's It's very European to sit... Patrick and I were talking about this yesterday. Sitting side by side. I think is very lovely when I you're love it. a couple.
3: I
6: don't like sitting across. If it's
3: just two However, people, we sit side by side. That well, way we see the restaurant. I was on restaurant. a
5: second
6: date once and he came into the booth right next to me. I was like, what? Wow. What's
7: going on I also here? feel like if they're side by side, they're, they're too close to my food.
5: <laughs> like, I just don't want to watch other people while I'm eating. I'm more concerned as another patron in the restaurant.
7: So can we agree that it depends upon who's making out? Yeah, are
3: they hot? Sure. Like, if it was yeah. Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, 100%. that's cool. But
7: how about recent Paul Newman and, yeah. and Joanne? Like, or no, what about Robert, Re-
3: recent Robert Redford with the plastic surgery and Joanne Woodward, who I think has passed away? That, that would be terrible.
7: There's yeah. no coming back from that. That's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <joining. laughs> hey, uh, and yeah. by the way, we're engineered by Vitor, who is
3: back from Brazil. Tudo bem, Vitor? Tudo bom. Tudo bom. All right.
5: Did that mean Patrick said it right?
3: I don't know quite what I said.
0: Yeah, it sounded pretty good. <laughs> All right. It's getting there.
5: We could have a, a lesson on air. All right. Our next one is um, our friend and fellow uh, Heritage Radio Network host of The Farm Report. Lisa Held has a new piece up on Civil Eats about the future of school lunches. But unlike Edible Schoolyard and Wellness in the Schools, this one is for profit. The Ooh. Comp- Just wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. The company is called Brigade, and it has received a lot of attention since its launch in 2016, primarily because it was founded by Dan Juisty, who ran the kitchen at Noma in Copenhagen. It's also one of just a few prof- for excuse me for-profit companies Whoa. like Revolution Foods and Gourmet Gorilla in a space that's mostly filled with nonprofits. The company first started in New London, Connecticut, and this fall the company is launching its second project at six schools in the Bronx here in New York City.
2: All right, Mike, are you boo- for know well, You know, pa- you know it? Patrick, it's, it's something you said, it's something you wrote, and I what? quote you all the time, what? that you should never buy food by a company that's publicly traded. And this seems to be edging closely. It doesn't say publicly traded, but it's for profit in a space that's not for profit. I mean, they should not be looking at a bottom line when you're feeding, like, kids in underserviced areas. Well, End of story.
3: first of all, non nonprofits have to make profits, too. Um, I, I uh, have always worked in nonprofits. Slow Food, the Museum of Food and Drink, uh, Heritage Foods, which, unfortunately, as a nonprofit, even though it's a for-profit, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm always a believer in this. I want. I've called for the creation of a restraining order from certain board members to come within 500 feet of a nonprofit because they're so mediocre and destructive. There's something about. Nonprofit profit boards. Yeah, it's called lack s- of accountability. Slow things down, their lack of accountability, and they actually kill ideas. I'm seeing it right now in some of those nonprofits I just mentioned. They kill ideas. They're they called close, hippies. They close <laughs> ideas. I think their hearts in the right place, but they're so anti-capitalist and so anti visionary. They shouldn't be on a visionary board. So I love that a for profit comes. I have loved my chance for when I worked for Sofu with nonprofit people from Vermont. And Portland, Oregon, and blah, 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 to the business side of things. Some people screw me over and don't pay, but basically it's a clean transaction. You pay for a service and you get paid and it's nice. So I'm all for this. I don't, I don't think know, for, they're doing a great job feeding the schools anyway, all those nonprofits. And who knows what really goes well, on. I think it's the a scenes. challenge,
5: you know, from what I read in the piece on Civil Eats, and Lisa definitely does her due diligence here, is that. They are going into school systems in lower-income areas. I guess New London, Connecticut, more than a quarter of the population is below the poverty line. And they're working with the school superintendents where they already have budgets from the USDA, they said, for free breakfast and lunch in the schools. And they're putting those dollars towards something that is also, I guess, working with chefs and people who who want to be there and who want to do this because Mm – They aspire to create delicious food and to do something, but they don't need to be in a fine dining setting. And we all know labor and recruitment and and retaining people is very difficult. I don't know if this means their salaries are any higher, uh, you know, from a a cook's perspective, but...
7: Why don't we just back it up and say that anybody that's trying to do good for kids and trying to feed kids is do, is wonderful. And if you happen to carve out a bit of a profit at the end of it, well, you know, maybe that holds you accountable to doing a, a better job than the non-profits where there's really no accountability. Uh, ultimately, you know, the, the government doesn't do a particularly great job of it and, and no one else on one hand. On the other hand, you know, anybody that has kids will tell you that, Getting them to eat is the primary goal, and you know the public school system feeds millions and millions and millions of children every single day successfully. So I I think it's like, you know, it's like a kind of a "Make America Great Again" scenario where it's like, is it really not great? It's kind of already great. It's it could be better. Pretty bad food. Is it? I mean, I went to public school. It was delicious. Those burgers were. But also, amazing. but oh,
4: also, I, I don't know about your kids, but my kids eat like shit no matter what. So <laughs> yeah. it's like they might prefer like some hash browns, like frozen hash browns. Uh, like I tried my best, as do probably most parents. But in the end, it's like if you can get your kid to eat throughout the day, you've won. <laughs> I,
2: I, my experience with public school lunches, I, I will never forget the texture of the pizza they served us. It bounced. Okay, it was a square pizza and it bounced. Okay, and we seriously, we were talking about a bunch of fifth graders having a how high they can make their pizza bounce if you dropped it from, like, you know, a certain height. I have four <laughs> words chicken, a la
3: king. Shit on a shingle. That is the worst <laughs> food in the world. What was that white sauce that stuck together? Ew, oh my ew. God.
6: Okay. So I mean, yeah, on. so
3: we're undecided. And, no, I think Noma great job. I, I for profit make money. Nonprofits, all committees kill great ideas. Form a you want to kill a great idea? Form a committee. How about so like let this socialism. one guy run it like a real. Uh, well, how a are czar. they
6: doing it? Are they having like gardens and the? No, he's probably yeah.
3: sourcing well, and he's probably making better food than
7: sorry. Some lunch ladies, or he's saying uh, there's you have a dollar nine to feed a child per meal, and I'm going to do it for seventy three cents, and I'm going like to carve one. out the rest for my Range Rover. Yeah right. No, and also chefs are
3: very good at extending the life of ingredients, and then yeah, serve them old, words. bad food. Yeah
6: right. Uh, well, I think we should circle back on this one, see how it goes. Because right. when did the school year start? Two days ago.
3: Two days ago. So we'll see if any of the kids Anybody get food poisoning. Libby, food poisoning.
6: <laughs> if a PC, Libby,
2: you need to go undercover. You need, just, need to, you need to go to the Bronx and have some of this food. With uh-huh. that face of yours, and you report, report back. back. Pose as a five year old. <laughs> I, I think you can totally pa- pass great? as a fifth grader. Okay,
3: By the way, I would love to see Sasha Baron Cohen. Poses oh as a third grader going into
7: like a church or
3: something and working with lady? priests. Yeah, or as a. Lunch can, can I
7: also ask? Just well, Sorry, sorry, not to go back to it, but like privatization has proved successful in many areas where the government's inefficiencies have failed. Right? Period. End of story. We all agree at that. And there are also examples of the opposite. So, so wait a
3: second. If inefficiency have failed, doesn't that make them successful?
7: You are one hundred percent. I'm so sorry for <laughs> negating myself.
3: can Never over.
7: listen to me again. <laughs> Next.
5: And on that note.
6: Show them All right, over after so to song. follow up, we yes. received a weird press release of a new product. Uh, this week it was Mama Joanna. So we thought maybe it would be a spinoff of a marijuana product. We thought Mike would be excited, <laughs> but it's actually a premium spice rum from a company called Candela.
2: I'm still excited. Mike's still excited. Because <laughs> it's great. an aphrodisiac. That's,
6: that's our uh, booze. Where is it? That's effort. We're trying to it's made by bla- blending native tree barks, herbs and spices with rum and honey. It's a 500-year-old recipe created by the shamans of the Tayano people. Taíno. Sure. Taíno, sure. And apparently it's an Afro- free- <laughs> aphrodisiac. So Dominicans call it rompe cama, bed breaker, and <laughs> viagra dominicano.
3: Bed breaker,
2: wow. So
6: should we take the PR company up on their offer for a free sample? And what's your favorite edible aphrodisiac? Okay, first of
2: all, alcohol is the best aphrodisiac. I can't I can't believe people get laid without alcohol. I, mean, I can't imagine a scenario where it <laughs> would, would even be possible.
5: My, Thank uh, you for sharing so much information with us, Mike.
6: <laughs> all right, get Mike some of this rum.
3: <laughs> I like it. Tree, tree bark as an aphrodisiac. Fernet, Branca, oysters. I mean, what else is an aphrodisiac? I,
7: I, I stick with Viagra.
3: Viagra? Rhino horn isn't rhino horn? Oh
7: yeah, white only white rhino horn. Unfortunately, there there's a limited supply.
3: If you rub it in a baby whale's like esophagus or something, I think it comes out even Mm -hmm. hornier.
6: Well, where has this been for all these years? They've been. Doing this for 500 years. No, I think it was a problem
5: with the, the delivery it.
7: system.
6: Uh-huh.
5: Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, it's also the first time it's here in the U.S. Oh, okay.
3: So, what well, aphrodisiacs? Or do people talk about that anymore? No, because Viagra oysters. now is the thing. Oysters.
2: I'm an old, yeah, oysters. I'm an believer in you know, oysters, old school. Eating is eating itself is very romantic. The whole act of eating is so. I
3: thought you were gonna say it's an aphrodisiac because if you spent that much money on a food, you're like, I'm gonna have sex. <laughs> I tell you what happens. Most
4: people just like watch
7: porn and get horny. I, oh think
4: I, I think that's. I think it's. Far, I think it's over.
7: Think it's, it's over. More, I think it's more like you watch porn and then you just give you up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't need any. But have you been to the bodega and see, seen all those like? Those pills that they offer, there are tons and tons of aphrodisiacs. And whenever you go to the bodega, I mean that 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 shelf space is it's precious. I mean everything on that shelf <laughs> yeah. sells. It's not like they're put. Although there is like a couple cans yeah. of cat food that are questionable, but I feel like that's prime real estate that they they must be selling those things. But well, I think yeah. okay,
2: wait. I think boner pills are not aphrodisiacs,
7: right? I think that's what okay. I'm saying,
2: okay, so I mean, when you take them, they turn me on.
4: <laughs> I mean, when you have a boner, though, you're just ready to go. So <laughs> it
2: helps. <laughs> I find it helps <laughs> all right but I, no, I, I'm old school I, like, I think oysters are good do women but use alcohol? aphrodisiacs no you but, do no an aphrodisiac is something that you should be well, sharing some people alcohol. say like
5: perfume right Perfume. Oh, yeah. And
2: that's not edible? No, no, but all these things, I and mean, if you're turning the other person on, sure, of course. I mean, aphrodisiacs are meant to be shared, right? Isn't that part of the whole well, thing? I mean, like, my pheromones are kind of a natural aphrodisiac. I, I mean, I've got the I've got the sex drive of a 14 year old boy. I don't need, you know, an aphrodisiac. What I do need is, is a situation in which to apply my trade. I want to answer <laughs> your
7: question and say, yes, you should get a sample.
2: Yes.
3: yes. Definitely, yes, yes, get a sample. All right.
5: We're going to put that yeah. one, we're, we're going to tag Emily with week. that. All right. I'll respond to the PR firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if not next week, we'll hopefully the week. Be- Daniel, and then we you'll should come drink back it on, on the show and oh,
6: see if
7: there's no. any kind of like.
2: <laughs> see if we will, it can know. come
3: free with the porchetta. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. I'm already feeling some
3: pretty <laughs> good heat oh, with Mickey Daniel. Weekends. So porchetta.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: All right. All right. Greece is Whatever. a great offer, did you have? Some tree bark. Why not try it?
3: Now this is serious. This is very serious. All right. So this changing that. So changing up. Up. can also, we have some silence alcohol. in the studio?
6: All right. A moment, please. So Spirits producer, Heaven Hill Distilleries, has filed a lawsuit against the Bob Dylan-owned whiskey Ooh. brand, Heaven's Door Spirits, claiming it infringes its trademark rights. Legendary songwriter Bob Dylan launched his own brand of Tennessee whiskey last year, producing a bourbon, double barrel whiskey, and a straight rye whiskey at a distillery house inside a G consecrated church in Tennessee. Dylan's brand is called Heaven's Door and is named after his 1973 hit, but in April, a cease and desist letter was sent to Dylan's company arguing that its use of its trademark will create a likelihood of confusion and it noted similarities between the stacked logo used for Heaven's Door and the one used by Heaven Hill. Okay,
3: may I
2: address this? Does anyone have anything to
3: say? Regarding, regarding
2: Libby, this oh, Mike. likelihood of confusion, not bloody likely is the answer. I mean, look, Heaven Hill is like well whiskey. It's speed rack whiskey. And it's fine. It's an okay product. But it costs $12 for a liter of the stuff. Okay? It costs $90 for a bottle of Bob Dylan's product. Oh. And it's very good. It's excellent. It's really, really, I've tried all three of them on my mark for whatever Bob Dylan does. He'll put out a record next <laughs> month. I'll buy it. You know, he'll come to town, I'll go see him. He puts out whiskey, of course I bought it. It's, it's beautiful, it's beautifully packaged, it's super, super, super expensive premium whiskey. No one is going to be confused by these two things. No one. This is a ridiculous, frivolous lawsuit. And what it doesn't mention is that, in, in uh, the bit that you read, is that Heaven Hill wants Bob Dylan to give them all of his whiskey and all of his advertising materials so they can destroy it. Oh. Also, that's part of the deal. There's no confusion here. Doesn't no, he only I think heaven's
7: door? I don't
3: door. think anyone's going to
2: confuse knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. sorry. Heaven is a there a
7: heaven hill or is there a door to heaven? I feel like neither one really exists. There's no confusion at all. I feel like there's St. Peter's whiskey.
6: Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Limbo. <laughs>
7: okay,
6: but yeah. wait. A deconsecrated church. That's cool. Well,
7: yeah. He part- Doesn't that just mean that you don't worship there?
6: It's a church that has fallen. Well,
7: God is always there. There's no deconsecrating a church. Okay.
6: Well they God served wine there, when, there when it was working. a
7: church. That's true.
3: That's true. Yeah, and true. I, mean, I
7: don't I'm not a fan of anybody that sends cease and desist letters unless it's somebody You know, from the meatball shop, sending it to a a, a meatball (laughs) imposter. However, you know, and I do feel for Bob Dylan. He's got like 75 children with 75 different, you know, he's like paying a lot of child support. And I feel like $90 is the least thing we can do to thank him for all the, you know, music and social change he's done. And at the same time, if we want to get drunk,
2: there's room for heaven hill as well i'm fine with heaven hill but this is i mean very smart of someone to get some publicity for a brand that no one remembers but the bob dylan product is, yeah, really, is extraordinary a song
7: that, that connects him to that word so
3: yeah, he like, did just come he out have, of couldn't he have nowhere. Sued
5: them first i mean his
6: song came out in 73 yeah, and not, not knocking
7: on heaven's hill we all yeah. know that song <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so what do you think bob Dill- dylan's gonna do just put tons gonna, of lawyers he's throw gonna, a ton gonna of money trash
3: on them. talk him in the song
6: <laughs> yeah that's the next one. I don't think Rob. he has,
2: has anything to do. I'm sure he's got someone on it, and just yeah, say like, just "Go away." First of all, he's Bob Dylan. How I mean, old is he now? Like, Seventy. He's, he's like 70- Uh, Six I think he just turned Is is that right And he's still on the road You know He's still doing Over a hundred gigs Over a hundred gigs a year Uh, He's climbing He plays these like shit towns He plays everywhere He's playing This year he's coming up. I just saw the tour They announced Like Tulsa And uh, some other town I'd never even heard of In Oklahoma Gigs in Texas Gigs in Florida Georgia He's climbing up the east coast Atlantic City
6: Well he has a lot of
2: child support Uh, I'm I'm waiting for him To come to my backyard I'm being lazy about it Has he ever been to Roberta's? Dylan? Brandon? No Bob's a troubadour, you know. He, do, he needs a whiskey brand. Yeah. It's good stuff. I'll tell you the stuff I bought. It practically drank itself.
5: Ah. <laughs> All right. It was an aphrodisia. From Emily, take us to tradition. food trends. All right. We're on to. I, I just. I have two questions about changing food trends. One, I hear bologna is cool now, especially on breakfast sandwiches. And two, artisan ketchups. No, How do we God. feel about uh, both? St-
3: uh, First no. of all, every single place that sells artisan ketchup, any of those artisan ketchups, also has Heinz. And the waiters are like a hundred percent, yes, I'll go get you Heinz. I understand. You can tell just by looking at it. No artisan ketchup is as good as Heinz. It's just not. But
1: I'm it's using just, not. But,
2: but I'm using high fructose corn syrup in my artisanal ketchup. Oh, if you say, can, can I I, <laughs> I think
7: that there's a real these two things are actually these two these two questions actually tie together. Because one of the great food trends of 2019 is going to be the acceptance of MSG as uh, as for what it really is, which is amazing and great and naturally occurring and and blah blah blah. So the reason that Heinz specifically is so popular is because it's shock full of this delicious food stuff that is hard to get anywhere else. MSG. So what I believe should happen is these artisan folks should use their hands to make some MSG and add it to their ketchup and then. Maybe it'll get a chance, but as long as artisan ketchup doesn't taste as good, definitively, ketchup is a is a condiment, right? Condiments, if they don't taste good and make the food taste better, then what's the point of using them? Like, you don't know, want to put garbage on their food, and, and just because it was made by hand, artisan sometimes still sucks. Do you consider
3: condiments
4: aphrodisiacs?
7: Hundred percent, K- and I, I use condiments just as a prophylactic as well. <laughs>
4: That was a mayonnaise sales pitch right there.
5: <laughs> <laughs> bologna? Wow. Nobody? Nah. No. Uh, Bologna's not no. cool.
7: Bologna, is this mortadella? Are we talking about mortadella? No, or Is this no. like a fried bologna I'm, sandwich?
5: I'm with you I'm mortadella. This is bologna. A
7: fried bologna sandwich is, is very delicious. There's no question about it. Um, What's it, the condiment with that? Mayo? Mustard. Mustard. Yeah, course, any no? any forced meat, So it's a mustard thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're from New York and you do onions and ketchup for your hot
2: dog. New donuts. Jersey, man. Poor... Uh, taylor pork roll that's, that. that's where it's at pork roll yeah, well, pork roll interchangeable no i'm from the dirty jurors the 201 i know it's pork roll i have two words
3: knish. or wait one word knish <laughs> <laughs> that's the best do you have ketchup with your knish do they still serve it at any of the sabaret
2: hot dog stands yeah what you have? they have that oh, right oh yeah them. that's the best but I don't know. I mean, can you still get a caniche get, get uh, at like a hot dog stand, like the cigarette guy? Some, they, use, they used some. to, right?
7: They replaced it with Jamaica beef patties, Ooh, which are not bad. Delicious. Not bad either. Not
2: bad. Delicious. Not bad.
5: If they had the caniche, they wouldn't have had the bees last week.
3: Oh yeah, there was a bee attack. I don't know, Mike. You were Did in you Spain. It in a attack. A bee it was.
1: Attack? No. No. All
5: they attacked was it the first, it was umbrella. A, Disbursement. And I remember
3: Emily or Libby, whoever read it with great urgency, was like, the weight was so much the umbrella was weighed down. (laughs) Yep, yep. But no one died, no one got stung. It was just too hot on the roof, so all the bees left.
6: And then the police bee. Vacuumer came and vacuumed them up. The, the, the bee, bee vacuumer—that's vacuumer. his official title. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: So, I say let bees. I love when wildlife kills people. Every oh once in a while, I want to see that. Not
5: even a
6: sting, supposedly. No,
5: I know, but
3: like let wildlife get their, you know, vengeance. they Yeah. All,
6: All right. The what media is claiming that with rising rents, the New York Fake coffee news. shop is media. dying. Enemy of the people. Or already dead.
3: Oh, I love coffee shops so much. Oh, yeah. I, I would, bump into Brandon well, and Junior's, which I would basically junior? call a coffee basically shop. basically
5: diners, right? Yeah. Yes. No. Eggs, They're New York pancakes. diners. They have
7: 7,000 things on the
3: menu. Right. Right. But they, what is we,
5: a coffee shop? Look, a oh, Yeah, first you have different. to define
7: it. Second, you have to say, you know what killed the coffee shop in New York? It was a little thing called the credit card. And all of a sudden, the government was able to track sales and start taxing and 30% of the profit went into the pockets of the, 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 the man. Is that, am I allowed, is that, am I allowed yeah. to say that? Or like hashtag the person. That's the person. one of the 70 genders
2: of, of humans that we do yeah. allow to be That's discussed course. here. I used to love it in coffee shops. That's what, what, uh, you young folks call diners. You know, because, yeah, but I ate there at 4 in the morning four after the I morning, got thrown yeah. out of the bar.
3: Bacon, egg, and cheese, a cheeseburger that tastes delicious. I still, I still hold
2: all my editorial meetings in Cozy Super Burger on Broadway. I, with my author meetings, I always bring my authors there. Grilled cheese with and, bacon yeah, and I tomato. Matzo ball soup and a grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But uh,
3: it, it still costs. I mean, you know, they basically they just need to charge a lot more. But how fun is it? It's the kids' favorite thing. They get, like... 30 pancakes and syrup and everything. You pay extra to give But again, out anyone syrup.
5: outside of New York would just call that a diner.
3: Yeah, diners are dying right? out in New York. Uh,
7: again, you know, I have a friend that had many diners, a Greek dude, many diners and when credit cards were introduced, he ended the diner game because he, you know, his profits went to the government because they were tracking taxes. And so this is just another time when Unfortunately, rising costs are are not keeping up with what what folks think it 's worth spending for food and you know there 's an inequality there, and people aren 't going out of business.
2: I feel like I read this story like once a year in The New York Times that the coffee shops diners are going out of business, and it has to do with the changing demo of, of New York City that the old people who depended on these places like they have to go and sit and have dinner and have. You know, it's kind of basically a square meal. You know, get, get a piece of chicken and some potatoes and some, you know, um, very mushy peas or something. I mean, look um, at the
4: ones that do still exist. They're, they're expensive. Go to Junior's. You, speaking no, of, Junior's be. is a very expensive diner. Yeah. Well, but they give you a basket of like free Madison bread. Like Madison
5: Avenue on the Upper East Side still has three guys. I think they have a... Uh, Nectar. charge Like $18 for a cheeseburger. But it's ironic that those are the... As you said, I guess it's demographic-based. Those are yeah. still the people who are are wanting to frequent it, and it's an older crowd.
3: It's not it's not a point of prestige to go there. I mean, some people still go to McDonald's. I went to Barney like Greengrass really last night, yeah, I and it was $47
7: for the, for the sturgeon and salmon platter. That's
5: not a coffee shop.
7: You know what? They serve coffee. First thing first, if they have shitty coffee that makes it a coffee shop.
2: Well, I'm glad Eisenberg's is still still up and running. I was good friends with Josh, the previous owner, and the new guys say they're going to try to keep it um, as you know, close to authentic as it has been. But that's the oldest lunch counter in New York City. A lunch counter is that kind of a diner or a coffee shop? Because they're like very famous for their tuna sandwich. Also, um, you know, egg, you know, all, all all your basic eggs and omelets and. Uh, and, well, it, and chocolate chocolate creams, of course, too. Yeah, so. Chocolate egg cream.
3: Tom's is near my neighborhood. If they did very high ingredients, you know, very very good ingredients, then they could charge whatever, and it would be cool. Um, Has but,
7: the New York Times stopped into a Starbucks lately? Not know. to do a story. Is a Starbucks? A, the I'm saying is a Starbucks a coffee shop? Yeah, because yeah. they seem to be. Th- 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 That's th- everywhere. Their yeah. food is so terrible.
6: It's on every corner. I'm
7: just saying it's a coffee shop. It's a newly imagined coffee shop. It's where people come to commune and eat. It's the third place.
3: That's where I met Ann. I was at a Starbucks and she was at a Starbucks across the street. And we saw each other. <laughs> and then you we locked We walked eyes. over, yeah.
5: You were on your first date, yeah. like you hadn't met before.
3: Well, listen, let's talk. There was a passing away of a of a big coffee shop guy. You take
5: this one. No, no, you no. take it. Well speaking. You're of, our point guard. Oh, thanks. I'm a rebounder. Speaking of coffee shops Longtime New York chef and restaurateur, uh, and a friend of, I think Heritage Radio, Kenny Shopsin passed away this week. Heritage Radio.
3: He was semi a friend of Ann Saxon. Yeah. Okay.
5: All right. Essex Market friend, Um, friends and customers have been mourning his death on social media and in print this week. New York Magazine writes that Shopsin was known for being vulgar and gruff, with a boiling anger that was easily let loose. But he was also one of the most admired chefs in New York. Did you guys know him?
3: Kenny Shopson he, Shopsens, I mean, you know, he would throw people out all the time and he used terrible words. I mean, he was, the I, police were always outside because people were complaining about what he would say to people and stuff well, like
4: that. Was he, was he an incredible chef because he had a menu that had 500 items yeah, on it and five. he could cook it in a. Kitchen the size of this radio station. Yeah, it was amazing because that that is a talent right there. Well, that you is... literally order anything. Apparently, I don't know, he did, started, you started did, like Benford. run to the store to get <laughs> spaghettios <laughs> for you if you needed them. Yeah, yeah. No,
3: I do have.
5: appreciate places like that where they just say yes to anything you want, yeah. and then it just appears.
3: By the way, that is the future of restaurants. I think it's like technically the red tablecloth. that's a little bit the coffee shop Kenny Shopsins where you're not given a menu with twelve options. The chef is like, what are you in the mood for? We got lamb. I can do anything with lamb for you. I can make pasta. I can grill it. I can make it on a pita bread. I can do it. I I, I like that. It's truly catering to the customer and not the customer catering, catering to some chef's vision with like... Three three options on the menu.
2: I like the attitude, I want to say. <laughs> I think that's part of it too with Kenny Shopson. I remember there was this awful, awful, awful deli in Austin, Texas called it Schmuckies or some fake Jew name, and it said New York food without the attitude. And I think it was, I want the attitude. If you're not going to be rude
6: to me, why would I possibly go in there? No way. <laughs> you know? No way. You can be a great chef. That's great. I would never work for that. Well,
5: think about it. People go to, go to a wiener circle in uh, oh, Chicago just to get
6: screaming. That. no but right. that's different that's like a gimmick if this is like you're going to work every day and someone's yelling at you like no, no he way. was
3: yelling he uh He's it, like,
6: it, it, but you also, also
3: you
4: also you you need to see the demographic of people who worked for him. they were also <laughs> like images yes. of himself yes. so it wasn't like it was this guy like raining down on these poor people they were also giant <laughs> were assholes. so pretty much all of the other people who worked it was just a you know it was what just you're a, a for. waterfall of shittiness right. and then know. it, and it Exp- and it just ran out into the customer base, which was part of what, what its appeal yeah. was. People went there to get to get abused. And
3: I- then also he he would uh, turn away business. I mean, he was almost anti-business. If he didn't like the people, he would be anti-business. And one time he <coughs> got like a terrible, terrible, terrible review and they were like, so did you respond? Did you write an email? He's like, no, I didn't want those people to have my email address. You know, he was basically, his little shop was his world and that was it. So that I admire, but basically he was a pain in the
7: ass. I think there should be uh, an investigation into whether shop. Was an unsafe uh, work environment.
5: (laughs) It's staying open, apparently. I think his his daughter, son, son, son. and
3: And
7: and a little bit the two daughters, Melinda. I give it like T minus 20 minutes till they get sued.
3: Oh my God.
6: (laughs) All right. And we'll do this one quickly. This is a recurring question that we have asked before. Our partners in radio, the Kitchen Sisters, started the Keepers Hotline, asking for listeners to call in with stories regarding activists, archivists, curators, collectors, historians, and protectors of the free flow of information ideas. Who have you met who deserves to be on this list?
3: Well, it was very funny. When we did this question, we do this question a little bit now. The All the young people were like, we don't have anybody. you know, cause, That's but, not true. Well, I mean, it was a little bit of a struggle to find it. Meanwhile, Steve Jenkins, who was here, who I named, by the way, because of all what he had done for European cheeses, he was like, I have 200 million people that I could mention because it comes from that era. So, I mean, I'll start. I'll say Angelo Garo, who is our... Um, he's a, a smith, uh, you know, he, blacksmith. a blacksmith in San Francisco, and he knows how to make balsamic vinegar, wine he hunts he 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 can cook camping he knows how to cut down a tree and and all he knows how to make his own fire and uh, i just think that that's kind of cool he makes charcuterie he makes his own olive oil he can fish in in uh, the the bay there in san francisco and there's a terroir there which is like terroir of the brain that's very you know respectable and uh, i think a lot of Tetwar in the world has died out because it never got passed on and then the person died never having passed on all this built-up knowledge in his heads and hands or her heads and hands so. and that's
2: why we're looking at kenny shopson's family
3: well, yeah. By the way, his son did not know how to make thirty or forty items on that menu, and even when kind of nine hundred,
2: there was a deficit of thirty he, items. He, could he would sit
3: do. there, and they'd be like, "We need you." Someone ordered like blisters on his sisters, and only he knew how to do it. So now the son's going to have to do it, or take it off the menu. But I'm sure he learned. What
5: was that that they ordered?
3: Blisters on my sisters. That what, was like, it's kind of that? like ants on a log. Yeah,
5: celery with.
2: It's like ants on them? a log. Mm-hmm. Similar.
3: Yeah, but with a, with no yolk on it. Yeah.
2: And that's no yoke. <laughs> <laughs> Is diner slang still a thing? Do people still speak diner slang? Waffle do, House, do, House has their language. And, uh, whiskey down, that's right. yeah. Everyone's over my hammy. Do you know what whiskey down means? Yeah, rye toast. Yeah, I know that. I'm a thousand years old. Of course I know that. So what's your? who's I your love, person? I love
5: this. I want a tutorial. It's like learning Yiddish, but I want to learn <laughs> diner lingo.
3: Who's your protector who's your uh, activist archivist curator collector historian Mike you must have a bunch
2: Well I just feel like uh, some old publishers I'm soaking in it dude you know, I mean, you saying that's me? This, well, that's yes, you, because you founded this radio station, and this radio station has over how many hundreds of thousands of hours of content right now. And you so can many thank people, me and Brandon so, for that. So Brandon many, tried to kick us out so many times, but no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently trying to kick you <laughs> out. It's been a, nearly impossible.
1: You're you're like
4: a, you're like some weird STD that nobody <laughs> just even knows go about. you just like there's no cure. Nobody knows what it is. You can't get it off your your. your that's junk. my style.
7: That's my style. So, I'm one of those annoying young people, so I'm just going to elect Al Gore's internet. I want Al Gore's internet is in. You know, just, that's it. Wow. Come on, Mike. Who's
3: your guy? Who's your your your? I can't believe it. it's a hard question. Apparently, because I think back in the '40s and '50s, you would be like, ah, the librarian, or ah, the the guy who you know delivers the milk, or in case relationships with all these farmers. I don't know. I mean. Rick Bishop, I mean, you know, someone who knows a shit ton of stuff.
5: You're right, though, what you said before, that it is harder for the the younger generation, but also that most of the people we would fit into this category are not in our generation. They're, like, the older, wiser. They tend to be European. They tend to have, like, more of that mentality. Like, (sighs) I'm thinking of... My best friend's parents, who are Italian, ones from Naples and ones from Milan, and like they do everything homemade, and mm-hmm. everything is like passed down tradition. Oh, you said and- it before,
3: Yiddish. Uh, someone who speaks fluent Yiddish, I mean, that would be someone who's keeping a language alive. Yeah, no, you know? for
5: sure. But there's so few people left. Unless yeah. you took the time to learn from a grandparent or. You know Rosetta Stone? Do they do Yiddish? <laughs>
4: I'm going to throw this one to the future and say Tony Butler, but not oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah, maybe yeah. like give him like five more years in Spain, and then yeah, he's yeah. going to be the like that's going to be my go-to. Yeah, no, that's.
2: Well, a good I want to recommend everyone go to YouTube and see the movie I made called Grandma Makes the Kugel. Oh, this, yeah. was this was my contribution is my 93 year old <laughs> grandmother making a kugel, and there are subtitles so you can follow along with the recipe. Oh. Okay, and uh, she was 93 when she was twirling that noodle noodle pudding. You know. It, now, is kugel a yiddish? That's a, a yiddish. Thank you. A Number one. Peter, hit the laugh button. <laughs> the Jewish laugh button. It's the one to the left. Kugel
7: is a yiddish. <laughs> I get it. I got it. Okay. I, Thank I, I you. But you chose got not got to laugh. No, it's not that. It just reminded me of my of my father's uh, joke about me being the, the squid yidd. Because I cleaned <laughs> calamari for my first job. <laughs> the squid
6: <laughs> All right. So, we're going to jump to a quick break. And after... We're going to talk with Daniel Holdson all about his new project, Project Foodie. Ooh, stay stay tuned. tuned. Take it away, Vitor.
5: Well, she's her own. She's her own.
0: Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. EMI is best known for importing more than 80% of the Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Der Scharfe Max, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emeusa.com.
5: welcome back this is the main course og broadcasting live on heritage radio network from roberta's here in bushwick brooklyn uh next up is the maillard reaction my question for everyone is well more of a statement to start my best friend's starting a new job this week what do you think is how do you like to make a first impression on the first day of work a new job.
7: I, I have a friend that came into work. One of my employees, actually, who's now a friend, he came to work. He said, "You always go stoned the first day because if you're <sighs> if you're stoned the first day, your boss will never suspect it moving forward."
2: <laughs> <laughs> I went this. I was going to
4: "Why?" That's really wise, right there.
7: <laughs> I go in
3: with a wherever I go. There's always a kitchen wherever I work, and so I will bring a huge thing of Saran wrap and mess it up and be like, oh, it's messed up, and then I'll fix it
4: so that it looks... Uh, and oh, I'm like, I'll wait,
3: do this for everybody. I feel, like, I feel like I you're... That
5: just, was like, oh, not Patrick's. Just, that was some yeah, recent guess. guess. I mean,
4: that was episode, like,
2: six. Yeah. Rewind. Like, uh, Let's play back
5: the old episodes. Uh, Dude,
2: you're like the night nurse who, like, you know, yeah. who, who, you know, poisons his patients and runs in to save them. Oh! <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So, what's your one? Psychopath. Do you have something better than getting stoned? <laughs> the, the, the first uh, day, but- yeah, getting drunk and then like possibly starting a fire in a wastebasket. This is good.
5: <laughs> this is not helpful
6: advice. I think uh, bring a notebook. That was good advice someone gave me. Bring I'm a ready notebook. To take notes at any moment. You seem like you're very uh, right. Actually,
7: you should bring a stone tablet.
6: This is
3: <laughs> not All right. <laughs> I saw your notebook for the taste notes for the porchetta we tasted, and one of the taste notes that Libby wrote was nice.
6: <laughs> okay, then I, I went back and actually nice. it actually, it actually nice. said very tender. So I Nice just and
3: very it. tender. Okay. Nice. Good right. my question. That was the best one all week.
6: Oh, okay,
5: rude. Anyway, Daniel Holtzman in the house. Yes. Yeah, Welcome. God, God
4: bless.
3: <laughs> so tell us about Project Foodie. Do you like being on camera? How long does it take to film each oh, recipe? Ooh, That's ooh, what it was ooh. written by Emily. I would
2: have
5: said it with a little bit of inflection, yeah, not we're quite for like that. Do you,
3: do you like being, being on camera?
2: camera? I'm looking forward to this thing. I have this idea. It's radio, but with pictures. Okay. I call it. Oh, I call it radio vision. I like. That. I think. Genius. I think. I think. I think it could catch on. It could be Genius. bigger than Al Gore's internet. Would you do that in color or black and white? <laughs> One step at a time. <laughs>
3: All right. well tell us about project foodie yeah, I have Korea. it on my app I have listen, an app
7: listen the the cookbooks are are an amazing are an amazing, um, uh, uh, are an amazing um, what a for your accoutrement for your coffee table oh. it's beautiful for people to look through and they have uh, they document wonderful recipes. Um, and have great pictures but they're not great at teaching people how to cook they presuppose the fact that you know how to cook in order to follow a recipe right in order to follow a recipe you need to already know how to cook because it says stuff like saute or sear or poach or 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 other terms that if i'd never learned how to cook which is passed down from person to person generation to generation and i don't want to get into second wave feminism and, and advertising in the 50s and how the whole thing fell apart what i will say is today today More people want to cook and are passionate about cooking and fewer people know how to cook than ever before in history. So we tried to build a resource to help people learn how to cook and make it easy and accessible and fun. Cooking is something that I share with my family. My mom and I cook together and it was very special for us. The kitchen is the epicenter of our household. For so many people that that know that love and warmth, that is something that they identify with. But there are so many people that have been denied it and so we're trying to bring a little bit of that into the world. It's free. I don't make a – a penny i 'm broke as a joke, donate, please send a check <laughs> send anything i 'll take crackers and um, you're using
3: radio vision as the technology to teach people absolutely radio the radio. intro
7: internet we, we we're available on on the internet you can check it out online you could download the app on the now that costs 199 It's free, man. Oh. It's free. This whole thing. You are, have to buy a
5: $800. You do
7: have to buy a $1,000 iPhone, unfortunately. But once you have the phone, the So app you is download free.
3: it, and what do you know?
7: What, what do you so, so you download the app. You search through a plethora of delicious, mouth-watering recipes, all the way from snacks to full meals. I mean, we have a four-hour Thanksgiving feast. Thanksgiving's coming up. If you want to cook a Thanksgiving that will knock your family's socks off, you download the app. You search through. You decide what you want to cook. We show you the tools. We overview the ingredients. You can order the ingredients online through the app. And then... You hit play, and there's While a chef. While you're cooking, there's a chef in the kitchen. You, the video plays alongside of you, so basically every step of the way, there's a chef there to 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 lend you confidence. So when it says sauté, it doesn't just say sauté; it shows you how to sauté, and you can you can watch them sauté along with you. And them is me, which which is amazing, amazing, a m a z i n g, because the guy really knows how to cook. Uh, he is he's the best. Ever. All right. And how does this guy like being on camera? Yeah, no, by the way, this guy, it's not that he likes being on camera, it's that the camera likes him. Yeah, no.
6: You have a great face for <laughs> Radio Vision. It's all done in the third person. No, no. Like, I, 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 and then <laughs> Ah, wait, this At is some piece?
4: point he breaks the fourth wall and it becomes <laughs> and it becomes incredibly interesting when he starts talking to you personally about how bad you're doing, just like his mother did. Right.
5: Now your brother is involved with this, right? He's my, your producer? My He's a Hollywood brother producer.
7: is a, a multi emmy Award-winning television um and and documentary film producer who Happens to be one of the greatest, kindest, warmest, generous, most generous, um, uh, just people I know. And not just because he's my brother. He really has an industry-wide reputation. in, In an industry that's full of skunks, being like a great person. And, you know, he and I both loved this idea of sharing something that was... A meeting place of our two crafts, where art meets craft, cooking and, and, and filmmaking, mm-hmm. to try and work together as an excuse. Because he has kids. And when you have kids, it's hard to find time to work, to, to spend together unless you're really working together. Is that fair enough? Very nice, very nice. I could be more passionate and like get into it.
5: No, you're oh, I felt no, no, the passion. Should have the opened passion. the show. There was a real lack of
4: passion here, and the, I think I think the audience has felt it. Probably everyone's asleep at this point.
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been so
2: going that, downhill since the Ike Turner song. Can I we know.
7: talk more about this? My art reaction.
2: No, no. So you
3: travel a lot. Can you discuss your opinions on food? Uh, that we eat in different cities and cultures—that's the broadest question that's ever been asked on this station. But come on, what are your okay, impressions so this on food? You travel wanted, around the world all I, the time.
7: I travel around the world all the time, and this is my—this is—I'm a little bit nervous and dismayed, and I think that in America we might be getting it not necessarily wrong. We might be taking a left turn uh, when 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 we should just be going straight or right. Which is, I feel like there's this weird foo, form follows function relationship that we're starting to create with food here where you know the the idea that food is supposed to feed us like soylent and it's not supposed to taste good necessarily and that like healthy food can taste good right and the idea that that it's healthy and therefore it's good is 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 erroneous it's healthy therefore it's good is no it's it's healthy therefore it's healthy fair enough it's good because it tastes good. If food doesn't taste good, what's, what's the point? And I think that there's this weird mishmash where everybody expects every restaurant now to have this like healthy food, even if it doesn't taste good. And there are a few of us stalwarts out there that say, like, I would prefer not to have food on my menu that doesn't taste good. And I think a lot of places in the world have examples of healthy food that are very delicious and healthy diets that are very delicious. And I, I would like to see America follow that That direction. Fair Mm -hmm.
2: enough. I I think you're absolutely right, but I think it's a a small percentage of people, though, who can afford you know an eleven dollar juice that tastes like shit and is supposed to like you know make you strong as Popeye. I don't you know I think we live in kind of a bubble gear in Brooklyn. There's a
7: room for that. Uh, What
3: (laughs) What were you going to say, Brandon?
4: Oh, I have no idea. I lost. I (laughs) I lost
3: it. So now where do you travel? You just came back from. I just came from back from Macau, China, which
7: is. Pretty amazing place, actually. I was really excited about the delicious food there. Um, I'm going to Mexico City next week, and then I'm going to New Orleans because that's my favorite place. Um, I travel around a lot. The reality is that w- w- I'm happy that, that America is catching up to this idea that we have to eat three meals a day, and you might as well make make it something special and exciting and fun, and actually enjoy it rather than just you know have a utilitarian a- approach. Well, America is the land of
4: extreme. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, we do everything in extreme. We don't have balance for anything. No, nope. there's no, there's no like network called the balance. Ne- uh, is there a network called the balance, balance network? network? There oh, should be a should network be. called balance <laughs> because th- this is the thing. You look, you go other countries, and you and you see people have refrain and they they have learned balance in their life and and how to juggle the difference between what what I what my body needs, what my body wants and i think that's where that's probably where some of this problem comes from america is very extreme we go all the way to the right or we go all the way to the left
7: we have a hard time just finding the middle and sticking to it
5: so new orleans you can open a meatball shop there
7: we don't have any, any plans to open a meatball shop in New Orleans right now. My, my goal when I go to New Orleans is to vacation and oh, not work.
5: Got it.
3: But I will say Daniel did revisit the way people perceive fast food, I think, in New York. He really started a trend with the meatball shop, which basically you get a full four-course meal for under 10 bucks. And you can have fun doing it. I mean, you got the meatballs, you got a side, you got a piece of bread, and, and uh, it was under $10 using 100% sustainable meats and stuff. And you got to pick and make your own sauces and stuff. It was fun to go to. It was like a party. Still, scene. still it's under still
7: $10? No. Well, maybe not. It, well, it's a three-course meal. <laughs> Same great <laughs> price, but half the food. <laughs> no, it's but I it mean,
5: it's bread. It's your meatball no, we, we, as you want the, it. And, and a
7: veggie. The, the, there's a mispricing going on in the entire culinary industry that unfortunately is being driven by restaurant openings that are being, that's being driven by private equity investment in restaurants. It's being driven by zero interest rate money lending, um, which, which is coming to a, an end. So we're going to see, I think, a lot of restaurants, um, go up in price to, to match the fact that labor and, 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 and cost of goods has gone up. Um, because the truth is that when I was, 20 years old I made 10 bucks an hour or 12 bucks an hour and today cooks are still making the same amount of money which is just not reasonable for anybody when rents and everything else twice or three or four or five six times more expensive so unfortunately the meatball shop is the same price as when it opened or or, or a little bit more expensive but um hopefully at one point in the near future everybody will recognize that great food it it costs money mm-hmm. and if you want really cheap food that's really delicious. Download Project Foodie and learn how to cook, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. good All right.
5: plug, good plug. Hey.
7: So you're opening in
3: DC, dude? What's that city like?
7: Washington DC is this vibrant, amazing, beautiful, wonderful uh, uh, city that I didn't know really. Uh, I knew it was Washington DC is this mall, and I didn't mean like the like the, the like the the Suffern Mall or whatever. Like the mall where they have the the statues. What's like? What is that?
5: the, the, Washington, yeah, the Mall. Washington Mall with the monuments oh, yeah, and yeah. the Washington
2: Monument at one end and uh, uh, Lincoln on the exactly. other, on the other the, side the, the, the reflecting the, pool and, yeah. and all that all the slave stuff.
7: owners um, so I, I I went down to Washington D.C. to tour the city as a, a possible you know second city from the meatball shop and I was blown away by how much fun it was. We spent a couple days down there. We got drunk. We ate delicious food. They're amazing restaurants. Um, hmm. And they're, the mu- museums are unrivaled in the world. It's incredible. I ate at Maiden the other day. That is an um, incredible restaurant. It's like a new, I don't even, I don't know what exactly. Some, somewhere in the Middle Eastern restaurant. All wood fired. It was one of, my, one of the best meals I've had all year. Huh.
3: So DC is important. So Meatball
7: Shop. In D.C., 14th Street, right? 14th Street between R and S. So they, did it, they built this whole place on this – what's it called when they – it's like a – there's some fancy word for how they laid the city out. And it's built after some European design that
5: – All the circles, ah, you mean? Yeah, all
7: the circles. All the circles and everything. And it's like – it's so easy. It's, it's 14th Street Northwest, which means it's 14th Streets Northwest of Washington and like and 1st and, and Street Southeast. Which oh, if you you're have from to New- be a local to oh, know what
5: yeah. what that means. Like New York,
7: it goes from one to uh, to 142, from one to 12, left to right, south to north. All Come right. on, people!
5: On your one thousand dollar iPhone you can Google map it.
7: Oh, they do have Google Maps down there. They do have yeah, it. it. works. 100%. Yeah. The only
5: thing I did hear about DC is everything closes a little earlier.
7: DC is not the most hop in town. I tried to get drunk and the reality is that they closed first. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's a good thing. The meatball shop is going to be open regular late hours so people can have a late night snack and enjoy themselves and maybe even get laid. Um, At the oh, table. Meatballs oh,
5: meatballs are an F- No
7: tablecloths, table people. No oh, tablecloths. Okay,
5: okay. And on that note, Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, this is an exciting show. Thank you for a great yeah. show. Please tune in. Stick around for tech bites coming up at eleven, and we will see you guys next week.
3: Thanks, Vitor. Thank you. All right.
5: All right. <laughs>